How are you doing, listeners? This is Gina Versa here on another episode of Serving Up Comics, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and cohort, Nick Valero. How are you, Nick? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good. Are you, uh, how have you been doing? I haven't seen you in a month. Oh, uh, good, good. It's just my, my hair is super long. Oh. So okay. Well, you could... I have, uh, the, I have the haircut mm-hmm. of a pandemic person. Yeah. But you could get like uh, your mom to cut it for you if you want. No, no, no. no. <laughs> All right. I, I, I saw what she did to my dad. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, just keep it long, man, or uh, just dye it. Dye it again. Like uh, you had it like Guy Fieri that one year, six years ago. You know what the sad you, part is that I, a I, I, yeah, I, I thought about it and I'm kind of down. I am kind of down. Yeah, dude. I mean, you have do blonde again. That was kind of fun. That was pretty fun. You know, you have all this time in uh, lockdown. But um, today we're joined by our our good friend of the show. He was here in November talking Wonder Woman, and he's here again to talk WandaVision and Batman. Rob Godinez, how are you? Hey, thank you, Gene and Nick. Uh, Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, Thanks for having me back. Uh, I my wife actually does okay with the haircut. So nice. It's longer than normal or than it was before, but yeah. I kind of like it. Probably going to keep it this way once things return to normal in 2029. No, I mean, I'm digging it. You just got to, you know, keep well, your signature beard. Just don't change it. The only time I've ever changed it is when mm-hmm. I'm trying to shave early in the morning and I accidentally, uh, I was like, oh, well, guess I'm clean shaven for a week now. <laughs> yeah. I know mean, it's like, Yours, mine grows back like almost instantly as soon as I shave. I have like just like Homer. I just like from the Simpsons, like five o'clock shadow. But uh, no, um, how have you been? Thanks for joining us again. Oh, yeah, no, I've been, like I said, I've been doing great, you know, uh, distance learning, uh, uh, I guess distance teaching in my case. And mm-hmm. yeah, no, everything's been pretty, pretty chill. Um, glad vaccines are rolling out and yeah, really glad you, you know, you shot your thing and, and, Everybody at Waffle Press did that thing on the uh, on the COVID vaccine and yes. getting that out. That was really cool. And I'm glad you guys did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this um, that episode, we talked to a uh, biologist and he's also a cancer researcher, our uh, good friend Soren Howe. That'll be out as of this recording probably uh, next week. And we talked to him about the safety and the science behind vaccines. So it's like a special uh, PSA. Yeah, so... vaccine advocacy all the way you know many as many uh, i think biden said if you can get it just get it so definitely pushing for that because yeah i mean uh you know it's easy it doesn't hurt rob you had it yep absolutely i had my first first dose first dose first dose gotcha yeah and uh yeah you know if everyone gets it we could go back to normal so you know yeah i'm just hoping Mm -hmm. i'm hoping pfizer versus moderna will be the new Marvel versus DC of our oh, time. Well, as of uh, this recording, Johnson and Johnson just got approved by the FDA. So. Uh, that's image. Oh, that's image. Okay, that's there image. you go. It's <laughs> image. Yeah. image. I was like, Spawn. So they're just gonna have like all the darker but better stories. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't like uh, was it like just like stop like you know after like what like two years, three years. Just for now. <laughs> that'd, that'd be cross gen. That would be cross gen. Oh, right. That's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man some of those 90s publishing but 
Speaking of comics, um, just catching up. What are what are we reading, guys? Is there any comic books we want to uh, like uh, recommend to any uh, listeners out there? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm still catching up on uh, what was it on the Teenage Mutant Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, you haven't caught up on it or anything like that, it is an awesome story. I definitely recommend it. Uh, it really does kind of dive uh-huh. into the mentality of like the of the the, of the team, uh, seeing as you know the team isn't there. You only have one turtle left, and uh-huh. it's really all about that last turtle kind of dealing with the the duty and the responsibility it is to be the last ninja turtle and to also get revenge for his brothers. Uh, go go check it out. It's really awesome. It's only had a couple of issues, so it's easy to catch up right now. So nice. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I love the turtles. I'm waiting on the graphic novel to read that like all at once. Honestly, yeah, because every single time that I get to like the end of an issue, I really want to keep going. Mm-hmm. So that is the it's the it's the slippery slope that I'm in right now. Of I started it before it was a graphic novel. Gotcha, uh, Rob. Do you find yourself like um, reading single or like graphic novels now? I'm mostly still a, a singles um, reader, um, but I have been going back and like picking up the graphic novels and trades of things that I missed when they came out the first time. Mm-hmm. So most of everything I'm getting now, I'm mostly getting in singles, but uh, things that, again, I missed. So, you know, if something comes out now and I hear later I should have read it, I'll go back and, you know, when those come out in, in trades. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, any way to read comics is like, you know, there's no wrong or right way as long uh, as you, like, you know, read the story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I might, you know, just given space considerations, might have to, you know, think about doing digital for some mm-hmm. soon. Just I'm running out of places to put them. Yeah. Or so, like, uh, yeah, selling, selling some too. Or, or just handing old boxes to Gene. Yeah. There you go. Again, got uh, two of them right here. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it when, you know, everything's safe. Well, <laughs> five weeks right yeah, <laughs> for us at least right? yeah yeah exactly the, uh, I, I, I think i already have enough boxes of, yeah nick, too many boxes give some to nick yeah i was selling i was selling some like comics on macari and stuff and i'm like i'm like i i have uh because i've been at my uh, parents house for the last uh god the last month helping them out with the vaccine stuff mm-hmm. and and i'm in my old high school room and i'm like man i had a shit ton of comics in here there's like too many because I only took like a certain one to my uh to my apartment. I don't think you fit there's too many. all the comic books inside of that room. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. It's all in the it's all in my closet. Like there's like six or seven long boxes. I'm if like, my living room were clean right now, <laughs> I'd uh, take you on a tour and show you the boxes I have. Oh dang. Maybe next time. I'll yeah, clean, dude. I'll clean up oh, before this. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have some out. But um yeah, I was um I read recently, I got graphic novel of uh, Spider-Man Life Story, which I would really recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read it, Rob? Or... Yeah, uh, yeah, I did read it. Chip nice. Zdarsky. Um, mm-hmm. So I, good. I, I loved it because like the way they weave like all the different eras of like Spider-Man because, you know, it has um, um, my favorite. Actually, I think he's actually my favorite Spider-Man artist because I guess... I think your favorite like artists or like even like character artists is like the one you grew up with as a kid. So mine was like Ultimate Spider-Man. So it was Mark Bagley. So uh, like the fact that like he got to draw it and he hasn't drawn Spider-Man for a while. I don't think so. Like at least like 10 years. 
correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the fact he got a drawing and like just seeing his cap and his Spider-Man, like I love like the way he draws Spider-Man, his like, you know, the like the poses of the character. And yeah, they weave like like the Stan and Dicko era in the 60s and then 70s with like Gary Conway and you get like all the McFarlane symbiote stuff and like the fact that they even have like Miles Morales at the very end was like that was that was just brilliant because yeah I just I love so much about that and even like uh stuff like the clone saga which we kind of like clone on now they actually made it like interesting or like at least good in my opinion yeah clone clone saga I remember (laughs) when that was coming out oh god um (laughs) that's what would have happened if lost never had an ending date (laughs) Because that's that's what happened to the Clone Saga. They had a story mm-hmm. to tell, and it sold really well. So they said, "Keep it going," mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. eventually it was like end it. And they're like, "We can't now. There's <laughs> too much." Yeah, like <laughs> oh, man, like people always like say like, "Well, like Death of Superman and the Return was like too long and it was too whatever." But yeah, I think like Clone Wars because Clone Wars like, or sorry, why did I say Clone Wars? Excuse me, Clone Saga is um was like the franchise, bro yeah exactly <laughs> they realized like what like halfway through like oh wait we fucked up like ben riley was a real spider-man like people don't like this <laughs> you know it's like like uh at a certain point like all the fan backlash because yeah. i wasn't you know i wasn't collecting i was like two back then but like uh all the fan backlash i would imagine would have like intimidated oh. them marvel did a one shot that if you could ever track down <laughs> it's amazing it's like camera was called like how to end the clone saga Mm-hmm. And it was the story of the entire Marvel writers and editors <laughs> arguing over like different ways they would end the clone saga. And it literally ends with, wait, Norman Osborn? Nah, nobody would buy that. <laughs> yeah. Right. So they, they had a sense of humor about it as well, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least, I mean, and you know, the character recovered after that. You got like a, oh, yeah. this, the JMS run all that ultimate spider-man so yeah. yeah i would say like a worst comic was like what chapter one by john Brin. probably <laughs> yeah that kind ms of, had some bad ones though yeah let's since past since past <laughs> let's never talk about that again <laughs> like gwen stacy clicking if, up with norman osborne if you know the panel you know the panel that's right yeah. you know like you don't need to show it no, yeah, like I, I want to like take that image out of my head because that's that's like gross. They should have put it right in the corner, Gene, when we're finished. Just yeah, put it, like, thumbnail. Small in the corner. No. <laughs> it should be your back. It should be your background. Who, like who would, who would? Yeah, exactly. But like, like okay, but like uh, going on a little tangent, but like because that I think that's more like Joe. That's more in Joe Casada because the original ending was like they were Peter's kids, the two, uh, the two characters which were like Gabriel and uh, the other Gwen Stacy. Yeah. And Joe Casada could not stand the fact of Peter Parker having kids. He like did a 180 and it was like, all right, Norman Osborn impregnates Peter Parker's dead girlfriend and gives them kids who age. Now, I do want to point out there's a lot of bad things about this, but she was alive when he impregnated her. I just right, right, that okay. Out, right? <laughs> That's yeah. a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a lot darker. The way Brad Meltzer, <laughs> Brad Meltzer would have wrote that one. Oh it's god, yeah, dark. that that came out the same year as Identity Crisis too. That was a that was the a, year that ruined one. comics. Yes, I know. <laughs> broke comics. But um, yeah, I don't know. Joe Casada, great artist, but like some of his ideas sometimes, like he really didn't like 
uh, like a 60 year old character growing up that bad, you yeah. know, but I'm not the and again, like I, I, mm-hmm. I always say, I, I have no problem ending the marriage. I have a problem with ending the marriage by making a deal with the devil. Yeah. You know, like, Mephesto. like you guys, you guys ever heard of divorce? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, they divorced uh, Storm and Black Panther. Yeah. This is president. Divorce is expensive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as compared to your soul, right? As compared <laughs> yeah. to your soul. Yeah. yeah. You're, I you're mean, one that. could argue in a divorce, you already lose your soul. So, I mean, <laughs> only half of it. Only half of it. Exactly. <laughs> but um, in terms of comics I'm reading, I just also want to throw out um, The Other History of the DC Universe by John Ridley, which was delayed for like two or three years. And finally is uh, being released now. And uh, he's the uh, screenwriter of not only 12 Years a Slave, but also the best uh, Justice League animated storyline, which was Starcrossed. That's a uh, fact few people know. But um, yeah, I was, I was really digging the other history of the DC Universe because it dwells into a lot of uh, underrepresented characters of the DCU. So a lot of people of color characters, so like Black Lightning, uh, he changes, but it's like Guardians, like uh, Harold and like Bumblebee. And the next issue is going to be Katana. And it's, it's really well illustrated. And like, I just, I really, I really dig that because it, it has a lot to say about like um, the world right now. So I'd recommend that to people. Not sure if you guys heard of that one. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard of it. Um, I didn't pick it up, but it was definitely something I was looking at. So hearing this, I might, you know, go yeah, back yeah. And, and pick up what they have. Yeah, I'd really recommend it. And he's also doing uh, the next Batman, which was um, all the future state stuff, which is like the holdover from like Dan DeDito's. Like, uh, I guess that's the event that got him fired, which was 5G. Uh, I don't know uh, Rob's opinion on uh, on Dan DeDito, but, uh, you know, he's the best and the worst person at DC sometimes. And no, and that's kind of my opinion was, he had some great ideas and he had some really bad ideas and he had very little in between. Yeah. Like, like he was super hit or miss. Exactly. Cause yeah, I mean like uh, I would credit him with getting me into DC comics with like final crisis, infinite crisis. You know, he did a lot of uh, good for that company, like two thousands, yeah. just the last decade or so kind of, you know, and yeah. if you look like, you might not have liked the direction of the new 52 and the way it was rolled out, but when it came to like boosting sales and getting up interest, like you can't argue that it didn't work for a while. Yeah. I wish they would have had the product to continue the interest. I mm-hmm. think that's where they kind of fell off. But in terms of marketing and strategy, it was really well done. Yeah. yeah it's a it, the marketing and everything else was amazing. The only problem is that I feel that they also didn't give enough comics a, a a long enough like stretch they only gave them like maybe like 10 12 comics and then they were just like it's it's not selling so we're gonna cancel yeah Yeah, and some of them had some really good ideas like i don't know if you ever remember the static shock during the new 52 Mm -hmm. great ideas some of like the best writing for static shock and then after 12 issues they were just like nope not anymore and it didn't sell but shockingly i one of the better books out of that was dan dito's uh oh oh he did. I thought he did Middleman too, or am I mistaken? Uh, I don't know if he did or not, but his okay. OMAC was really good. And he canceled it? Yeah, it wasn't selling, but it was one of the better, I thought, written and like stories mm. of the whole thing. Yeah, I just remember 
because uh, I guess I don't know if we dunked on him before, but like uh, I feel like we have like Rob Liefeld's like Hawkman just getting canceled <laughs> after three issues was like the most Rob Liefeld thing ever. If he had just drawn the feet as claws, it would have been fine. <laughs> That's what he says, you know. And if you don't know, he uh, created Deadpool, like he says on his Twitter every day. If you don't yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, New Fifty Two. So any other any other comics? Anyone? Um, yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm not going to talk most about it because everybody knows it. But everything <laughs> X related right now is right. just on fire. But the one I caught up on, it's an older series, but they just. And they finally started getting, well, I think they had the trades out for a while, but I just mm-hmm. noticed them. Uh, Kaiju Max. Oh, okay. Kaiju Max. Uh, basically, it's a super max prison for Kaijus. So it's, is it like Monster Island, like on Godzilla? It's sort of, except it's more of a prison. There's guards. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's gangs within the prison, you know. Hmm. The crypts are actual cryptids. <laughs> <laughs> um that's awesome there's uh yeah it's uh basically if you took the hbo shows the oz and the wire and you combined them with godzilla that's kind of what kaiju max is Hmm. and uh let's just put this this the uh, it's by xander cannon i want to say it's oni i don't know i don't know exactly the publisher is i I can't remember off the top of my head uh they've done five seasons or sorry, they're on their fifth season now. Okay. Um, so he releases them um, individual issues as seasons, and they have the first four trades mm-hmm. out. Um, and like The Wire, if you ever saw The Wire, each season sort of has a, a different thing they look at. It's kind of the same thing here. Like season four is the women's prison. Mm-hmm. It's literally called um, Scales is the New Black. <laughs> um, it's funny, but it's also heartbreaking and sad mm-hmm. um it's kind of got a little bit of everything and just <laughs> one of the funny not funny i don't know if it's funny or not but it's just one of the things that the 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 slang that they that he's come up with for the prison and what things mean different things and let's just say there's a difference between saying lizard with a d <laughs> and lizard <laughs> without the d <laughs> you know um and i'll leave it at that um but it's it's a just a really really well done that it it shouldn't be as uh moving Mm -hmm. as it is because with all the little trappings and things that make it kind of funny and silly it really is a look at prison and a class in -hmm. this world that has been permanently labeled as monsters or criminals uh, regardless of their own individual outlooks on the world and their place in it and mm-hmm. what does that do to that society hmm. what does that do to that population so i highly highly recommend it yeah no i mean that's a good analogy because yeah i mean like uh if anyone looks into like the prison industrial complex like yeah you know it's kind of it's really messed up so, yeah no yeah. and and those a lot of those issues you know come to play in here and the you know there's also the you sort of see the debate too is prison for punishment or is it for rehabilitation yeah and you see different characters have their own views on that as well gotcha yeah i mean yeah i don't know because also i was gonna say there can be uh hero kaijus too if anyone Mm -hmm. uh you know godzilla like flips 
you know, flips from many times. Is that is that kind of like? Um, yeah, there's a there's a couple of the tech ones. So like one of the the crews in there, um, and it probably most is written to uh, associate itself with like the Nation of Islam in prison. Okay, in the sense of all the tech kaiju's the tech monsters uh worship the great singularity and now they preach peace mm-hmm. and and all of that but uh some of their brothers outside have been enlisted in the police forces so they're heroes in that sense right so you have that aspect gotcha no yeah that that sounds really interesting like you know I, you know independent comics like there's some really like good like you know, I mean, not good, excuse me, interesting things that they say could say about the world, you know? Yeah. And this yeah. is just a guy who had an idea and he said, look, I'm not going to be able to do this at any of the the gigs that I've been doing, you know, working for Marvel or DC or anything like that. I'm just going to go out and do my own thing. And I think, I believe he's, the season he's doing now is the last. Okay. I believe from what I've, I've read and heard. So. Nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check that out because. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to get into more comics. But I guess um, let's segue into our next topic. Speaking of uh, kind of old series, um, Batman the Animated Series was recently released on HBO Max. And on our uh, podcast here, we're doing a rewatch. And so we're starting with the first like four episodes, which is the pilot on Leather Wings, Heart of Ice, and Feet of Clay, parts one and two. So I, I haven't seen um, the pilot in actually a while, just to start things off. And that was um, like my first impression. I was like surprised by a lot of stuff. Um, first off, there was another Alfred. There was like another Alfred voice for like three production episodes, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. It wasn't. Um, I believe his name is Efren Zumbass Jr. So that's like actually, if they did. It's actually Clive uh, Revel. Yeah. And I've never heard of that other actor because for me, the DCAU, Alfred, is the guy that voices Dr. Octopus, too, on the Spider-Man cartoons. Well, actually, fun fact, Clive Revel is also the guy who played, uh, what was it, Senator Palpatine in oh, Empire really? Strikes Back in the original oh. of Empire Strikes Back. That's pretty cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. all, it, what's really cool about these uh, is that they are all a product of animation in the early in the in like the early 90s mm-hmm. um at this time is like when you got like uh is when you're getting a lot of like looney tune like the baby looney tunes you're getting a lot of like uh was it the animaniacs you're getting a lot of those yeah and the only problem is that a lot of animators didn't want to do this kind of stuff anymore <laughs> they were really tired yeah. of getting all of these like restrictions saying you can't do this you can't do this you can't have like they can't kill each other they can't shoot each other they can barely even hit each other um so what the hell are we supposed to do and it it really did make this thing where a lot of animators really wanted to quit paul dini even says at the time when i was doing animaniacs Mm -hmm. i thought i was gonna quit like i thought i was just gonna stop doing uh animations i was gonna stop writing for them and then he started, then he did Heart of Ice and Bruce Tim and them were able to convince him to like write Heart of Ice. And now he's, he's in, like he's yeah. like completely into the DC universe and stuff like that. So these are really cool. Mm-hmm. It also did a real cool technical thing mm-hmm. of they drew on black paper 
in order oh. to get that darkness out, which is so interesting. Oh, uh, they were like, how exactly are we gonna animate a dark and gritty Gotham? Mm-hmm. And one of the artists was just like, what about instead of having to put dark into like writing on white paper, why don't we put light into darkness and like oh. actually just make the city out of dark paper? And that's how you get those like really dark sceneries and dark Gothic like uh, locales and stuff like that. By far, it's a, it's it's an amazing show, and it's a, and yeah. technically it's amazing. No, it still holds up too, because I, I was gonna say, um, you know, because when I started watching, it was like on Kids WB, and it's probably reruns, mm-hmm. but it initially aired on uh, I think like Fox Kids. Um, like Rob, do you remember like what the initial impression like was, like to fans or like fandom when that show came out? Like because it's for its time, like you know, it's airing on like what like a show a network that has like baby looney tunes like anim you know um stuff like that that's really for kids and this is like it's like it's not edgy but it's like it's a more mature and it really trusts its audience to like get to like ingest like these like more like kind of uh storylines with depth yeah i think the the thing to remember too also is uh, just from my context i was you know it's early 90s right mm-hmm. so yes um I'm finishing high school. I'm, I'm just starting high school in 90. Um, so, you know, cartoons were kind of out of the picture for me at this point uh, yeah. as a major thing. Um, but this is the one that if we were around, we did, it wasn't appointment TV for me, but if I was in front of a TV and it was on, I would still watch it. And I think what, what most people who truly understand like writing for kids, we be it comics, novels, movies, whatever, is you write it slight. You write it a level above your audience because kids like being in on something they think is for somebody slightly older than them, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that was the genius of this series. It's we're not going to treat you like you're stupid. Mm-hmm. We're going to. Uh, you know, suggest we're going to say, you get this, you know, this, mm-hmm. you, you know what this stuff's about. We're not going to talk down to you. Um, we're not going to necessarily spell out a moral at the end. You know, the moral will be there, but we're going to trust if you watch the episode, you understand what the moral mm-hmm. is or the, the lesson is without, you know, a segment at the end with the, uh, you know, Batman turning to the screen and saying, Hey kids, you know, <laughs> Um, and so it appealed to kids at that time. And then, you know, as those kids got older, um, and they started showing it to other people, like it, it, it spread out of that, you know, the kids that watched at the time loved it. It didn't really go beyond that. But when you get into then, you know, DVD collection streaming, where it's more accessible by other people, it starts expanding beyond just the, that target kids that they had at the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, a big person that we can really thank for it is uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, Steven Spielberg actually, uh, because they hired him to basically revamp the entire animation portion of Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he goes, cool, we're opening an entire studio. We're not shipping it out. We're not doing anything else. We're doing it all in-house. And then Warner Brothers originally was like, that's not really how we do things, Steve. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's weird. And then he goes, doesn't matter. That's how we're doing it now. And then he mm-hmm. also hired a full orchestra 
to do all of their music. That's why if you specifically notice Warner Brothers uh, cartoons, they have orchestral soundtracks for all of their animation. And they even said too, that's not how we do sound inside of uh, cartoons. You know, you just get like a little tiny sound thing and then you clip it in as you need it. And it yeah. goes, that's not how Warner Brothers does it. <clears throat> Warner Brothers now does a full on orchestras. Mm-hmm. And without that, you wouldn't have that iconic Batman. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, because they, they reuse the Danny Elfman theme, but they, like, it's not like beat for beat. Like, they kind of change it up a little bit. I know. Well, actually, the, the funny thing is, is that uh, Shirley Walker is the person who actually did. Right. Or Batman the Animated Series. She was a co-producer with Danny Elfman when he was making the Batman uh, theme. Mm-hmm. So when she made it, she wanted it to kind of still have that resemblance <laughs> of what people at the time knew this mm-hmm. is Batman's theme, but also give it its own little spin for herself. And she did the whole like Batman, uh, what was it, soundtrack, like all those like iconic sounds, mm-hmm. she did it. And yeah, that's actually the main reason why. And she also did like a bunch of stuff for like Animaniacs, stuff like that. That's why actually the studio inside of Warner Brothers is actually called the Shirley Walker Studio. She was like the founder of like all of these like great musical sounds and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. She's a great musician. Um, I believe she passed away too. Uh, Yeah, she ended up passing away probably like in like mid 2000s, I believe. Yeah. yeah, it's some it's there's some like great themes like um, you know, for the soundtrack like for the Ra's al Ghul episode, mm-hmm. um, like all that like uh, has like a lot of Arabic sort of sounding, yes. um, you know, wind chimes things like that. Um, Joker's theme is like really good on this show, where it goes like I'm trying to remember it's like it's like a it's like kind of like a it's very playful. Yeah, it's a very playful one. And that's, you know, and also I think, um, like, you know, it's that, that uh, theme that Danny Elfman did uh, is still, I think, like, the, ba- the, like, whenever I think of Batman, that, that theme always pops in my head. I'm not sure for you guys as well. Um, or is yes. it Adam West? Adam West. I'm <laughs> yeah. still Adam West. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, 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 because Batman 89 is kind of like my first... Uh, yeah. introduction into batman um it's definitely danny elfman's uh thing uh later on when i finally understood what batman 69 was because mm-hmm. i remember seeing episodes of it because my parents showed it to me yeah same. and just going like this is completely different from what i know <laughs> like this is not batman <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> when it revert when it should have been the reverse <laughs> mm-hmm. this is not my well, batman I, I was gonna say also you know people credit uh batman 89 to kind of like this uh 180 in the character from going like you know adam west to you know and both versions are great to uh the seriousness mm. of like the batman we see today but i also think uh batman the animated series definitely contributed contributed to that like because he's he's a very angry character in like the first couple episodes because i'm looking you know he's kind of at odds with the police like in leather wings like i think like bullock tries to go after him the way they um also kind of portray like the gcpd is interesting because obviously he's allies with gordon and renee montoya but like um he's really at odds with like uh harvey bullock who they either portray like outright kind of villainous or comical you know and yeah i don't know i found that really interesting because i know for a lot of uh batman um war and things he's you know except at the very beginning he's usually like allies i guess with uh, gcpd 
um, in most of the stories where, you know, obviously you have conflict at the start of his career, but gradually it gets better. But yeah, this one's like interesting because also I remember in Nasca the Phantasm, they also try to like kill Batman too. So yeah, there's always like a very tenuous relationship between Batman and the GCPD. There's yeah. like it's either they get along great and they share information, and mm-hmm. like he's welcome into crime scenes, like in yeah. the Batman that's coming out, uh, Matt Reeves' <laughs> Batman, where you know everybody just kind of seems really cool with Batman walking in on a fucking crime mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, um, there's that. And, there's that scene uh, where uh, there's that scene. I think like Gordon holds him up, up against the wall. In the trailer. Yeah, or he's talking to a bunch of cops yeah. and then, like Gordon has to like separate them because they start getting into a fight, which mm-hmm. once again, Matt Reeves' Batman looks dope as hell. Yeah, but, Robert, um, oh, I was going to say, Rob, were you uh, hyped for that? or? Yeah, I mean, I want to, I definitely want to see it. Um, okay. I always like seeing the new takes on Batman. I haven't followed the trailers enough. I haven't looked at any of it, but, you know, I, I definitely want to see it. I just think also, you know, when you talk about sort of the turn in Batman, I mean, it starts with the artist formerly known as Frank Miller uh, mm-hmm. doing uh, Dark Knight, you know, <laughs> yes. Returns, right? Yeah. It goes from that to 89 to the animated series. And you had maybe for the first time ever, like a unified theory of Batman, right? Mm-hmm. That all yeah. the mediums um, were sort of basing it around the same characterization of him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, which is like year one, Dark Knight right. Returns. Year yeah. one, Dark Knight Returns. Uh, you know, well, the animated the, series, 89. Well, that was the thing, though, is that because a lot of times during, whenever they would do like a comic, like a, what was it, an animation version, like the Super Friends, mm-hmm. comic book writers and creators and everything like that hated the Super Friends. They thought it was yeah. so stupid. They thought it was, you know, yes, it's for kids, but like they, they didn't get anything right. There was nothing about the comic books that was right. There's nothing about the characters that are right. Yeah. All they got yeah. right, basically, is their names and equipment that because- make toys. I, I grew up watching the Super Friends, and I remember Batman relies like so much on the back computer for everything, and then also like his utility belt, which is you know, like shark repellent things like that. And I love the Super Friends, but like Batman's like yeah, he's really relying on the back computer in that. Well, Batman, when it's one of those things of like in the Super Friends thing oh. is Batman is the guy who gets all the information about what the hell's going on, yeah. and then the Super Friends go deal with it, while Batman just kind of like you know. Stands mm-hmm. there and makes fun of Robin. Yeah, because uh, I mean, Batman. <laughs> Batman's not going to punch anybody harder than Superman. So yeah, like, exactly. you know, he's not yeah. going to catch somebody in a chase faster than Flash. Then you also have like what, like Jan and like what was the other guy, the Wonder Twin? Zena. Zena. Jan and Zena, yeah, the Wonder Twin powers. Yeah. And then they're kind of useful, but then you have like Wendy and Marvin. Who but I will tell you, just to just to offshoot it, uh, get Mark Russell's Wonder Twins uh, series because. Mm-hmm. There's nobody better at satire than Mark Russell in comics right now. And nice. just the fact that they find they fight a villain named Captain Red Flag <laughs> literally is a walking red flag about somebody you'd want, uh, you know, a girl might look to date. Um, <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. That's, that's crazy. He's but the guy the did, thing, if you don't know, he did the Flintstones and the Snagglepuss. Uh, that that, that Flintstones comic I heard is dark. It's. <laughs> It's dark because they talk about how they got rid of the Neanderthals and there's a scene where Fred turns to Barney and goes, Barney, we committed a genocide. What? Yeah, that's in it. Yeah, I remember that. There's also I, I, the great the greatest part about it too is the development of marriage. Yeah. Marriage wasn't a thing. So they decide to get married. 
and all the protests about like how one man and one woman is unnatural. <laughs> oh my god. It's uh, so some good satire. So right good. There. It's so good. But, yeah. this, this the uh Snaggle plus one mm-hmm. is even I mean, I, I was stunned at how good that one was. Yeah. Yeah, I heard the Snaggle plus one was good. Um yeah, I'll have to check that out. But I was gonna say, um also for um for Batman just going on Heart of Ice um because like mr freeze gets like overhauled in the show because on batman 66 he's mr zero like uh correct me if i'm wrong rob but like before this like no one really liked mr freeze or took him seriously right he was he was he was was, uh oh what what type of uh villain could we have uh to do something wintry you know it really Mm -hmm. there was no there was nothing there there him. If yeah. I remember correctly, a lot of like the early like 60s, 70s uh, comic books, they they did basically what Schumacher did, where he was a villain who could freeze stuff. He was stealing diamonds, mm-hmm. and he made a lot of like winter, like a lot of like right. ice puns. Like that yeah. was like his big thing. Yeah. And but, then in Heart yeah. of Ice, they then added in this backstory of his wife and the reason mm-hmm. why he Nora like, has ice power, like about Nora. So like when Schumacher did his thing, he was like, well, why don't we just get both and we'll mix them together yeah because i was gonna work. say say what you will though about batman and robin but at least they get that backstory right for mr freeze at least even though i feel like arnold knows the type of movie that he is in during batman and robin he's totally going for it but you have like cooney and like all the i think like well uma thurman we have like cooney as batman like taking it really seriously and like arnold well, Arnold knows. If you go, if you, if you go back yeah. to like actually Batman and Robin and stuff like that, um, Schumacher is known for periodically going onto the thing of "Don't take it seriously. We're doing a comic book." Yeah, it's campy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's supposed to be campy, and then he would show him like Batman sixty six like episodes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he was very much trying to go for the camp, but also he was trying to mix in this Paul Dini nineteen eighty nine mix. Yeah, doesn't make sense. Like it just doesn't fit. <laughs> It, it yeah. really yeah. doesn't because you're going for the seriousness of what Paul Dini was trying to do with the <laughs> Batman animated series of like, Mr. Freeze has a reason why he's doing this. Yeah. And then it's like, oh yeah, but we'll mix it in the 69 where he's just like making fun of ice. What, ice what killed the dinosaurs? What the ice all age. This? Yeah, ice it's bad. Uh, I think me <laughs> and a buddy your... of mine uh-huh. tried to do the drinking game for Batman oh, no. and Robin. It, you have to drink every single time Mr. Freeze makes a ice pun how many ice puns are there like what like I, we don't remember the end of the movie <laughs> yeah you lost count <laughs> well because it. it was that and then it was uh every single time poison ivy uh which are, like Im- implied sexuality mm-hmm. uh was it every single time Be- robin complained yeah uh, yeah it, it it was just basically just keep drinking throughout the movie and just, just don't keep stop. drinking man there you go. That was basically the, Did, the that wasn't a game at that point. Do you guys have a favorite ice pun though from Batman and Robin? Uh, <laughs> yeah, what killed the dinosaurs? Yeah. The age. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's I just I wish Batman had stopped and said, technically, that's a misnomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, that, yeah. If he if he could do the line about the back credit card, like why he didn't do that line. Yeah. I, but, I, I've seen so many people go back and go like, oh, why would he have a bat credit card? Can they just trace the bat, like who the credit card's going to? And then they would go, why is Bruce Wayne paying all of Batman's bills? <laughs> like this? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, hey, that's and then Grant Morrison fixed that when he did Batman Inc. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was that totally makes sense. So just Batman going like, yeah, I'm not Batman, but I'm paying for Batman. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Just so that we Yeah, that's clear. the perfect alibi right there. He's yeah. like, I know you think I am, but actually I just finance him. It's like, what if we make Batman. Batman your bodyguard? It's like, no, Marvel did that with Tony Stark already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, what crazy. if we just finance him? Okay, that works. That works. Yeah. <laughs> But I was going to say, um, also for this episode, like the stuff that they have to say about like giant corporations and like kind of like corporate America, pretty interesting because like Goth Corp, I'm trying to remember the line where like uh, where Bruce has taken that meeting with uh, the CEO and like he's like super condescending towards like, you know, what happened to Freeze and he's like, oh, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, it was just some crazy guy like we didn't do anything like we didn't try to screw him over, mm-hmm. you know. With his research. Which is actually our first introduction to Mark Hamill inside of right. The yeah, series. Mark Mark does other voices in that. That's yeah. interesting. Before well, before he, he was uh, cast as the Joker, he was just doing like little tiny bit pieces because mm-hmm. Tim Curry was originally. Yeah, that's right. I think Tim Curry might have recorded some lines. No, he recorded all of his lines. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He he finished uh, which on Joker's favor. He had done mm-hmm. it. He had done like that in like two other episodes. Yeah. But the problem was is that uh, what was it? He had already done Peter Pan, mm-hmm. and he had done like a couple other shows. So when they were listening to it, it sounded like Captain Hook. Interesting. I, and they were I just like kids are gonna think this is Captain Hook. They're not gonna yeah. think it's Jack. It's it's Joker. We need to get somebody else. I would like kill to like hear the recordings of like Tim Curry as Joker or like just edit all his Peter Pan lines into like Joker. Uh, uh, that'd be interesting according to mark hamill what he had said is that it was already animated and recorded Hmm. like he so he had in in joker's favor he actually had to map his he had to match his lips to what tim curry already did oh wow so he had to do his own thing while also trying to still keep with the cadence of tim curry so i think we also also need to appreciate any series that starts without introducing the main villain in the first one right yeah the fact that they held off on joker for like at least, man yeah they wanted man bad joker comes <laughs> in like we, there is also a special uh accommodation starting with the worst villain uh mm-hmm. that somebody has and you know they went out and did that with man bat yeah That's not true. they could have they didn't start with condiment king Condiment King rules. I will have none yes. of that, sir. I love, yeah. I love, I love, I, I love Condiment King too. Condiment King. King is my uh, Rob, I don't know if you watched the Harley Quinn show, which is amazing. I haven't yet. Okay, you need oh, to see it. It's on HBO. Con- Condiment King and Kite Man get like mm-hmm. the greatest. Like, yeah, they, 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 hate they each other. they're the best. They're the best. They're they're rivals, and only they think they're rivals. <laughs> and it's so funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey guys, I gotta go. I need to watch this now. <laughs> <laughs> you, it, so, yeah, so Batman good, everything else good. Uh, mm-hmm. Where can we find you on social? Media? <laughs> <laughs> no, but exactly. it's so it's so funny because it would just be like my rival's been here. Who condiment king? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I know I know I know uh, Rob's gonna love Harley Quinn. We we love that. Oh, show. it's so great. Yeah, it's please so tell bad. me there's a scene where where Kite Man is in his like civilian clothes and he goes and he orders a hot dog and like the wait the person behind the counter asks, "Do you want any?" ketchup or mustard on it and kite man just goes ballistic <laughs> and just starts beating people up no condiments <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. no but there but there is uh, kite man doesn't really take off his thing yeah but it's, there's a lot of like times where like uh he'll sit somewhere and then he just sees like mayonnaise <laughs> and then it'll just be like condiment gig <laughs> <laughs> <Keep pranking him. laughs> 
just I love I love Kite Man. Kite Man's like, you know, Kite Man, hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> but I was gonna say, um, just going back to Batman, uh Mike Mignola actually redesigned Freeze and um for the series, because I believe he was working on the show, but um that's cool that they make uh Freeze like so gothic as well. Like he's like so almost like like techno i'm not techno punk like was it like steampunk steampunk yeah he's basically yeah. like steampunk it's like you know this is the guy that does gotham by gaslights mm-hmm. yeah you well know? i mean it fits the aesthetic that they're going for yeah uh you know the look of the show as a whole um and again when you know this this is the one when i was re-watching you know i called the wife in i'm like you've never seen this <laughs> and i bet you you'll cry by the end of it mm-hmm. um she didn't go to t- she was close she didn't get there okay. but, yeah. but i mean it was yeah it, it's amazing and the rehab it did on uh, you know elevating mr freeze not only in the animated series but you know comics are good at taking what worked in other medium if it works and yeah. you know bringing it into i mean again renee montoya wasn't a character in the comics mm-hmm. before um yeah and so it was, I, it was so well done. It's yeah. probably my favorite single episode of the yeah. whole series. This, yeah. Uh, yeah, this show did a really great job of... Um, the main thing that was really cool about this is they made it that the villains weren't just like, I'm here to rob things mm-hmm. and cause trouble. They, they gave them depth and they made yeah. them so much more interesting than mm-hmm. even Batman at times, where you're just like, I want to see more of like what's going on with like Mr. Freeze or what's going yeah. on with Catwoman or whatever. And the thing is, you know, Batman is an interesting character but he's also an interesting character that we've thought about for a long time yeah like yes. we we've all thought about oh my god what if i were that scenario or what makes him do this you know we've had the debate over batman's the real identity and bruce wayne's the mask and you know all that stuff right yeah and if you gave a you know but now giving us these criminals that we can i mean compare and contrast to batman right you know batman had he been mr freeze's character probably wouldn't have tried to kill the guy he probably would have tried to amass wealth and buy out every corporation in the world <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, like that would have been his response to it right yeah. so how does somebody else respond to this action right to the trauma mm-hmm. yeah. yeah to the trauma i yeah. think uh, yeah, put a mark yeah. in that because i think we'll come back to that later and some other things right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh, get into one division well the, was, the thing is that uh what's really cool is that for uh, the animated series, uh, like there's an episode later on, I think it's in season two, where uh, it's called Almost Got Him. Yeah. Where it's yeah, just that's... an entire episode all about the literally the villains on how exactly they almost killed Batman. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a trope that goes back to the comics. They've, they've done yeah. that in the comics, too. It's so good. But, yeah. I, but I love it, too, because there's all, like, they're all telling like these elaborate stories. They, mm-hmm. they explain how like uh, Batman gets the giant penny uh yeah not only that but also i love killer crocs where he's just like so <laughs> what did you do croc i threw a rock at him <laughs> that's one of the <laughs> he's ones. just that's... like and then they were just like you threw a rock it was a really big rock well, it... <laughs> yeah that that one's brilliant too because like i guess spoiler it's supposed to be batman imitating killer croc and he's like yeah. what would killer croc do and i love i love that that they revisit that because you have killer croc i think in either the new batman or this series he does throw a rock at batman and just misses yeah. <laughs> like by a good margin he misses it so bad and then when they do the trial of batman and he's among the trial 
like i think he says like how, how are we gonna kill him he's like throw a rock at him yeah he does. <laughs> and uh i think i was texting rob about that episode because yeah. uh for the impeachment <laughs> i don't know if you've seen that meme nick where it's like man they had a whole episode of batman where the the villains were the were the were the jury for uh for this trial of batman and they decided to acquit batman based on the evidence but like all these republicans decided to acquit trump despite being villains too like who would have known who would have known like killer croc has like more scruples than like mitch mcconnell but first of all i would have um because crocodiles have more scruples than turtles but um Look, I, I also <laughs> want to point out in the uh, in the Clayface episodes. Yes, yes. As as much as we get into the more serious take on Batman, I will say the most Batman moment of the four episodes we watched mm-hmm. was Batman saying the phrase "that jaw in my fist felt familiar." <laughs> I, 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 I know I've hit That's that right. guy before. I right? know I've hit him like, before. <laughs> That's some Batman 68 stuff. That's some that 66 stuff, right? That's some Batman like, no, Robin, three weeks ago, I started training. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. that, with that one scene in like, I don't know if it's, the, I think it's in either in the comic or 66 where I think, I think it's in a comic where they have to like, Batman like looks at the TV from another angle to like get like a proper like, like look at a criminal. But like, if you're looking at like the TV, it still looks the same yeah i don't know what that was about but yeah I, yeah all i know is that yeah when i because i i hadn't seen the clayface episodes in years yeah and when i was re-watching it i was like i don't remember ever hearing that line mm-hmm. and that is hilarious um, yeah. i just died i know here watching yeah. this serious story it's really I know good I've punched that man <laughs> i know that jaw feels familiar to my fist yeah it's such like, a batman thing that's batman the most batman <laughs> Thing. I know I've whooped yeah. this guy's ass before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this. This episode, these two parts are interesting because essentially, it's Batman or was it? It's Bruce Wayne fugitive, you know? Yeah, because it's Bruce Wayne being framed for a crime he didn't commit, which we see in that uh storyline. I don't know if you like that one, Rob, but some people. The, the, uh, the only I thing is that it, it wasn't exactly. Yeah. Like a... I don't remember it to be honest. Okay. That well. I mean, I read yeah. it. Mm-hmm. It, it was there it wasn't it doesn't it didn't stick out in my head as something i'm still mad about years later right but, but the thing yeah. is that for even for this like you don't really feel it like the entire episode like alfred makes one line of just like what am i supposed to do about the police yeah it's like tell him I'm and then here. he goes like what about the police alfred and he goes read the newspaper dude but You're I being also, accused of, a, of almost assassinating lucius yeah Fox. but but i also like that fact that i guess he's seen like like Arkham Knight or like Bruce Wayne Fugitive or a bunch of other like mediums where yeah if like Bruce Wayne never gets like uh like committed or excuse me like gets like put a warrant or something happens Batman's like well I could just be Batman like I'll be fine like I don't need I don't need to go out as Bruce Wayne I I like being Batman yeah and the most the most accurate thing is how quickly Bruce Wayne made bail yeah exactly (laughs) he's like oh wait I have money you know uh actually rob he was never even questioned (laughs) right his butler kept saying he wasn't home the cops just went okay yeah can we we look through the house it's like if you want come on guys butlers never lie (laughs) yeah 
But um, the Gotham PD just went, yeah, Bruce ain't there. He's got a giant mansion, but he's not home. We searched the house. Where does this pole go? To the garage. Okay, I guess we don't need to check it. What about that giant cave over there? It's not in there. It's where he keeps his cars. Oh, okay, we'll take your word for it. That's where he keeps the prostitutes. <laughs> well, what is it like in Batman? The live Year ones. One? Yeah. <laughs> what happens in like Batman year one where like, no, it's in like zero year where like Gordon finds the cave and like just bats like attack him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Pretty awesome. But, it's actually really, yeah, it's really funny. that's a good uh, thing. But I was gonna say, also, how would you not guess that that's Batman if you have a cave full of bats? I'd be like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but Batman's smart, so Batman would put the cave of bats farther away from him. Mm-hmm. And now this becomes a Princess Bride scene. But Batman knows you know that Batman is smart. Yeah, so he wouldn't do that because Batman knows that you would think that Batman would do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's great. Um, but yeah, also I think you have like one of the first guest stars on this episode, which is like Ron Perlman, Ron Perlman. Yeah. And well, technically the second. I mean, technically yeah. the second. Because Mark first, Hamill, I mean, Mark, Mark Hamill is technically he's he's a he's a motherfucking Jedi. You know? Yeah. But like I guess <laughs> like a guest like star as a villain. And his clayface is really good because they combined a lot of stuff from the comics, because there's like multiple clay faces, there's right. like four or five. And like I think like the Matt the Matt Hagen one is like more or less the prime version at this point. Everyone mm-hmm. looks to instead of like Basil Carlo. But yeah, his um I, I really like his like kind of like washed up actor sort of take on the character. Like he just wants to work. And also like I think Clayface, like he's also just being Clayface just so he could act again too. Yep. You yeah. know? That was like cool, but like yeah, so also the... oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, I was also digging, like, all the animation in this episode, like, the scene where, like, Clayface, I forgot, like, Batman's, like, messing him up or beating him up or whatever, and he's, like, morphing into all the people he impersonated, like, he can't hold his form, and it Mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of, I don't know if anyone's seen Acura, but it reminded me of, like, uh, oh, it's, like, an anime. No, I know what it is. I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, uh, what's it, like, uh, what's, I forgot his name, Nick, you've seen Acura. Yes, I don't remember his name. Yeah, where the character's like <laughs> having this body horror, like morphing into a giant blob. It really reminded me of that. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that was like an influence. I don't know. Yeah. Might have been, but the but the cooler thing about it is that I because when I was re-watching it, I was kind of taking it as a an actor who has a substance abuse problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what I kind of was watching it as because it, it's he, he keeps on talking about like, oh yeah, like I got into an accident. You know, uh, now everything just hurts. Yeah, this is the only thing that helps me. You know, I have to still do my job. You know, my job is the most important thing. So I thought it was like this weird, like PSA on like you know, like kind of like drugs and like not to do them and stuff like that. It was so interesting. Is the redemption of Clayface then? He gets a job to be Iron Man. No, he gets a jo- no, he gets a job to be a woman. <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying like if actor with a substance abuse problem overcomes it. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Oh yeah. Well, no, well, he, I was uh, gonna say, you know, I was gonna say that uh, Clayface actually kind of reminds me of Gary Busey. Well, what I was gonna say actually, and the, not Gary the, Busey. My no. my my thought was, what modern day actor is Clayface? Like, if this thing were in real life, yeah. And why is it Daniel Day Lewis? <laughs> Just morphs into the person, yeah. Right. Like, it. mm-hmm. it's either Johnny Depp or Daniel Day Lewis, right? Like, it's gotta be like he would do that. He would, yeah. But 
something on his face to to transform. I mean, because yeah. you saw the pirate, you saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would go with John. I would probably all, go with Johnny Depp. All he was missing was Abe Lincoln. There you go. So, yeah. yeah, but yeah, these were like, I guess wrapping up before we go into Wandavision. Like, yeah, these were some really solid episodes, and like, you know, just seeing this out out of the gate, you know, just being a kid like in the '90s, I would have been like, you know, Ford. And like, yeah, it's just amazing that they did that because, you know, this is this is like it's a kid show, but then it's 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 not, you know, it's like it's a show that just has a lot to say just about real world issues and well, really appreciate that. And doesn't really again, definitely. just doesn't talk down, mm-hmm. you know, it's slightly a level above, but it trusts it trusts the kids to get it. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the thing I really like about it as well is the fact that they instead of them responding because a lot of times it's out of voice acting especially in, in cartoons especially in the 90s what they would do is they would then record they would bring in the next actor they record mm-hmm. you know and then they would go back and forth basically just responding to whatever the other person did i really like batman the animated series just because they would do a group record yeah i'll yeah. be in one room recording and responding to the way that the others are responding so that way mm-hmm. if mark campbell does it differently then that means that kevin which are kevin connor is going to do it differently right yeah i have to respond to him immediately and there's actual acting that's involved in right. this yep and well, i think that's amazing like that's yeah. super cool yeah i would say you have to also credit uh andrea romano who is the casting director and the voice yeah, director, director yeah yeah she really did a good job of like direction and kind of like putting a cast because you know voice acting in like you know children's animation before that you know i mean you get like the same couple people and you know they're like oh let's get like mark hamill let's get like um i think like mark hamill is already voice acting but like you know he was uh no they got uh michael michael ansaro who did Mm -hmm. the voice of uh, mr freeze yeah like they were getting thespians right yeah (laughs) they're like hey let's try it for this you know they went all out <laughs> but no, yeah because uh, the way that uh kevin connery used to say that it was is he goes mm. it was like going for a radio show yeah you know, uh, andrea romano would basically give you the scene she would basically read off like the like scene one this is what's going on this is she would read the entire description and then she would basically have us act it out yeah like, uh, like it is on the thing so it was almost as if we were doing like the old-fashioned like 1950s radio shows right and that's kind of a very interesting thing of going like yeah we're trying to give life to these we're trying to do a radio show and they're animating over it yeah that's really cool yeah exactly yeah you know and uh just before we go to the next topic i was going to say like the performances of like everyone in the cast just amazing and you know conroy is still my favorite batman so and he's still doing it like 30 years later he's still playing batman in like the video games like you know he could still portray that character well so got to give it up for Kevin Conroy. Well, I, I, I don't know about Rob, but I know for me, whenever I read a Batman comic, I hear Kevin Conroy's voice. Yeah, no, it's the same in terms of voice. Yeah. Um, De- definitely yeah. not. Definitely not Bale. Bale, <laughs> Bale's what I do around the house because it's funny. But when I picture, you know, or I'm reading a Batman comic and hearing the voice, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. not Bale. Uh, I, I always thought that doing. I do do try to read every ep- every issue once as Bale just for fun, <laughs> but like after you've done the serious reading. Yeah, because I I thought uh, I thought doing uh, Batman by Gaslight in Bale's voice would have been hilarious. 
just because it's like that old English. Right. <laughs> and you have Bale's voice. Gotham by Gaslight, right? Because Batman by Gaslight's hilarious. Oh, I, mean, Bat- <laughs> I didn't no, hit Gotham you. By <laughs> no, you were the one who said we should go there. Yeah. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> Absolutely yes. Oh my God, God. I guess. <laughs> but uh, I misspoke. <laughs> but yeah, these uh, these four these uh, ep- first episodes were great, and we'll cover the next couple in next episode. So I guess that goes to our next topic, which was WandaVision, which is uh, the return of the Marvel Cinematic Universe after many reasons for it being uh, delayed last year. But um, this was, you know. I guess after Far From Home and Endgame, we basically had this like uh, this break in our relationship between Marvel and everyone, where uh, they went off and did their own thing, and you know it, it's it's been like uh, really I don't know like I've been really enjoying the show, but I was just gonna say right off the bat like just the fact that I'm seeing like new Marvel stuff with you know is just like a weird comfort food for me I guess after 2020 I don't know if anyone agrees with that statement. Yeah, uh, I mean, oh, good. No, uh, yeah, I, I mean, going into you know, uh, always getting something new from Marvel is always great. Right. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's Thor: The Dark World. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I do think best. that uh, I do think that if anything, this is actually an even better way of kind of doing the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. uh, just from kind of what we've been seeing from you know mm-hmm. WandaVision. And everything else uh it is something where you can actually have a full through line of a character arc yeah that always kind of like thought, i always thought it was kind of weird where in the marvel in the marvel movies they were just like wanda and vision talked for like 20 minutes in a movie mm-hmm. and now they're in a relationship yeah or her now accent, in love. Her, yeah, accent her, disappears. Accent, her accent disappears they, one movie it comes back another disappears yeah, another movie they explain that pretty well in the the show so we'll get to that yeah and and i think that they they've done a really good job of like going like two two avengers that we kind of haven't really spent a whole lot of time with we're Uh going to just flesh them out we're gonna really give you enough time to care about them before we probably murder one of them (laughs) and after we already murdered one of them twice Yeah, right. We already murdered one twice, <laughs> and then we, we're gonna murder him again in this one. We, we we snapped one, and then we killed the other one twice in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, you know, I guess this was this is like our first like, like kind of like how I guess Marvel's run running the TV stuff now because you know obviously you know like a lot of the Netflix shows, but you know this wasn't before this it wasn't Kevin Feige running the TV. So, and these are essentially, I guess, like what he said, like one long comic storyline, one long like movie. And, you know, some people compare the Marvel movies to like TV shows, which, you know, is up for debate, but essentially they're all like one long televised story. And I thought, you know, the fact that they did that with this was, oh, you know, that works. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's been good so far. Um, what do you guys think of like the first couple issues where, excuse me, first couple of episodes where it's like a slow burn because, you know, starts as like this like weird, like David Lynch, like uh, TV sort of like, you know, fake studio audience stuff. And it goes into like this highly elaborate uh, conspiracy, you know, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I remember when I was watching the first episode and my wife hadn't decided to start watching it with me yet. Yeah. 
and I'm yelling from the other room like I haven't been this tripped out since Twin Peaks The Return. So using David Lynch was very appropriate to that. Absolutely. Um, The structure is great. I, I, you know, I'd read some people were upset. Oh, I don't know what this is about. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, well, you know, not not everything. You don't need to know everything. Yeah, Uh, exactly. My biggest, I was thinking today, my biggest comments about the show, other than the show is great, has been like more responding to fans' discussion of it rather than the show itself. Yeah. And and how they're choosing to discuss it. But the the setup, you know, and, you know, it, it your mileage will vary depending on how much old TV you watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was the Nick at Night age, right? Yeah. When I was a kid Same. and... They would throw up, you know, the old the fifties and and you know sixties TV shows, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it, it was perfect. It was I I sat there trying to pick out. Okay, that's I Love Lucy. That's Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. That's this. So there was that's that Malcolm in the middle. I saw one. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. definitely Malcolm in the middle. Oh yeah, but that as was. As soon as simple. I saw it, I was just like, I was like, it was like, like Roseanne. Like, uh, yeah, there's Roseanne. the Office. Yeah. Um. You know, there's uh, Brady Bunch and Mary Tyler Moore um, for the 70s one. No, I, I love the concept. I love the setup. I love how it comes all full circle as to why that occurred. Yeah. Um, that made that scene that more that much more sad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. affecting. And I really, I talked a little with Eugene. I had a little hesitation after... What are we on? The last one was eight, right? A little after yeah. after seven. I had a little hesitation, and they immediately doused it in eight. Like I'm like, okay, cool. I'm I'm with this. Yes, yeah. I'm with this. Yeah, and I'll get into that hesitation later when we talk more about that stuff. No, yeah, it's all good. But yeah, I mean, like the slow burn of this, you know, because it starts out, it's all sitcom at first, and you slowly like kind of peel back the curtain, seeing like what's really going on, and you know, I mean, it's like, it's a good like. You know, it's a good spoof on sitcoms. Like, there's a lot of comedy, but I was going to say that as we're gradually watching more, it's a very good uh, show on like themes of grief, of loss. It really explores uh, Wanda's um, basically her like her like grief after Vision died too, which happened in uh, Infinity War. You know, and there's so much happening in those movies, you don't really see the like the dynamics and like kind of the like the real depth of a lot of these emotions, which I think they're exploring really good here. And I believe, you know, it's, it's, these are, it's mainly based on the Tom King uh, vision too. Right. Well, it's based on that and it's based on the vision Scarlet, Witch, right. Uh, limited series. The, the Tom King's influence seems to more be in the setup of the, the sitcom, how the family dynamic sitcom. Yeah. The grief aspect comes from, I think more the the vision and Scarlet Witch uh, miniseries, and then you could take that through line all the way up until uh, she causes House of M. Yeah, because I was gonna say, yeah, this is a uh, a little bit of Avengers Dissemble, right? Yeah, a little, little bit. bit without uh, Jack of Hearts being murdered. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. No, I was gonna say, I think I, I really appreciate attempts. So to me, this is Marvel doing 
what Tom King tried to do with Heroes in Crisis, just doing it better. <laughs> or, you know, just like and following through. Dealing with the concept of these heroes are going to have trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've seen a lot. They've been involved in a lot. Half the universe died. And not only that, their loved ones died and things like that. And, you know, not everybody is Captain America who has the sense of duty and the mission and the life as a soldier that has, I want to say numbed him, but, you know, he has something to fall back on to, to, to not only deal with that grief. Yeah. He can, he can do his duty and then focus on the grief. Um, Scarlet Witch is a normal person in general, as a human being, she, who has gone through unspeakable horrors and what's going to happen when she does that without any, you know, counseling, without any, uh, you know, treatment, without any therapy. Um, And what happens when somebody who has tremendous power also has tremendous grief and and sort of getting into it. Like, I, I guess I had thought at the end of episode seven with the, you know, Agatha all along, which again is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Don't get me wrong about that. Yeah. I was worried that the construct would be Agatha's. By okay. saying it was Agatha all along, she created the construct. And I thought, oh my God, that's gonna be the biggest cop out of all time. Mm-hmm. And when they get to episode eight and they explain Agatha discovered this mm-hmm. is going on and wants to know how it's done. But at the end of the day, this is all the Scarlet Witch. Right. Yes. I was a hundred percent okay. They know what they're doing. I'm sorry, Marvel, for doubting you. <laughs> how dare I doubt you? How, how dare <laughs> every time I've done it, I've been proven wrong. <laughs> oh, Eventually yeah. they're gonna screw up and I'm gonna talk myself into thinking it's a me thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but can't, can't doubt uh can't doubt Kevin Feige for sure. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna go back and watch Dark World and be like, is it me? <laughs> Yeah. No. 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 no, 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 no. Yeah. No, no. Hey, man. It's, it's you know, that movie. Yeah. If you make like what, like twenty-five or something movies, and like yeah, only one bad. And the worst yeah. one is below average. It's not even yeah. horrid. It's not like you know, like had like the regular kind of BVS. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a pretty bad movie. When, um, when your worst movie is an average DC movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Oh man, we're gonna we're gonna cover the Snyder cut, so hopefully that's it's, re- it's real bad when Aquaman's doing well. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good I love that movie. Man. But, it's not uh, bad. No, Aquaman's not bad. It's yeah, it's not yeah bad. but but of of if you were to take it from the Super Friends point of view and they were going like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman's movies, oh did okay. Aquaman's movie, that one's the one that sold. It's like uh, the guy yeah. who took the fish, <laughs> but well, um <laughs> But yeah, no, I I do I, I agree completely with Rob. But, yeah, you know, Marvel has planned this out. Not only that, but also when they were going over what has happened in those previous, like basically on the previously in Marvel, uh, <laughs> when they were showing, you know, Scarlet Witch losing their brother, then she lost Vision twice right. in five minutes, mm-hmm. and was forced to watch both times. Yeah, and then seeing vision and then just imagining her grief of being brought back vision is now gone and then other avengers are now we can mourn later get your ass up we need to go kill thanos right and then afterwards just trying to hunt down where exactly he was yeah where is vision's body where is it 
and then walking in and seeing it just ripped a fucking part. Yeah, they're like dissecting it basically. Yeah, they were dissecting it, in which also I am still under the uh I'm still under the conclusion that he that um Hayward, right, is in charge of Sword. Yeah. Yeah. Hayward is Ultron. Mm. Or if he is being influenced by Ultron. Interesting. In the uh comics, because they you know it's not that they change it, they kind of move stuff around. Sword is like more of interplanetary shield, yeah. but now it's like uh interdimensional, which you know it works. Uh, I'm trying to remember Hayward because I just remember like Abigail Brand yeah. in Sword, but Hayward, what is uh his role if we could try to like put her like a tinfoil hat? There's on? been a couple there's been a couple of them. Uh there's been a couple of comic books and also animations where they made it where Hayward <laughs> is in charge of Sword. Or he's like he has to deal with sword in some way. Yeah. But he uses the uh, <clears throat> he uses Tony Stark's nanotechnology, his extremis suit, and he is basically Ultron in disguise and stuff like that. And I always thought that was an interesting idea. And especially also, why would you pick Hayward? Why is he so interested in Vision? Yeah. Uh, what you know? What it, this is Ultron's baby. <clears throat> you know, you're talking about how. Oh yeah, I went into developing more AI uh, mm. and stuff like that. Why specifically would you say you're going to develop more AI, and you've already had a killer AI? You, yeah. you saw what happened when one of the most genius people on the planet, Tony Stark and Bruce Banner, did when they tried to fuck with AI. <laughs> probably shouldn't do it. You probably yeah. shouldn't deal with it. Bad idea. It's a bad idea, no matter what. Uh, well, and- I mean. Absolutely. The, the, I think that's kind of sort of the genius though, like because you've got that set up in the comics. So yeah. people who have read the comics are going to know that and we're going to think that. Or it could just be, and this is, you know, he could just be a government hack who wants all the weapons, right? Jeez. This is a weapon. And both of those can lead, both of those can lead to great stories in the future. Yeah. Both of those, and you know, I've seen also or heard he could be a scroll, right? Oh, yeah. Right, they're still out there. So you've got the, that too. The one that I thought that I saw that was interesting was the unit that Monica Rambo gets the uh, shuttle from. That that is a unit of scrolls. Mm. Okay, and that's the reason why when Hayward took over, they were the people that didn't show. You know, he says like some of them didn't come back. Yeah, like some of them were. They just don't want to come back. Those are the uh, astronauts and. Uh, soldiers that didn't come back because they were scrolls. Yeah. Okay, and he didn't right. know that they were scrolls. Only Monica's mother knew. Right. Could he be? Monica. Could he be a skull Ultron? Could he be Scrolltron? <laughs> that, that could be also. Why not? Well, I was gonna say at the end of uh, Far From Home, you see uh, like what Nick Fury just chilling with the scrolls too. So right. you know, it's not uncommon for Shield to, uh, I guess, work with them. And that's the other thing. I, you also have to get your head around, if you're a comic reader, the scrolls have almost universally been the bad guys. Yes. And yeah. it seems so far they're kind of the good guys in, right. in the Marvel MCU. For right um, now, we'll see what Secret Invasion Right, right. Exactly, right? We, we yeah. have no idea. I, mean, I, um, I thought that was um, the most like brilliant thing about Captain Marvel. They turned that scroll sort of like, yeah, they look like evil and they look like demonic and they're actually mm-hmm. the good like they're basically like space refugees or at least the, yeah the all they want to do is survive that's all yeah. they want to do that was, that, that was the most brilliant twist i thought of captain Marvel. and and, and it's a great twist because it does play on you know your previous knowledge of the comics mm-hmm. it does so i'm stunned like i wouldn't be stunned oh my god that person's a scroll because i know scrolls exist 
but then I'll be stunned with, oh, that person's a scroll and he's helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because I think um like you know, the crews and the scrolls, they're both pretty I don't know, I guess like villainous in the comics, right? Like the Kree yes. aren't that great at either. times. But yeah. more often in throughout history, more often um Earth has aligned with the Kree. Yeah. Yeah, because wasn't Marvel? Marvel was Marvel was Kree. He was Kree, and he was like a protector of the galaxy. He was kind of like a like a Green Lantern. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. He became well. He was a Kree soldier who then became the protector of the galaxy. So he almost transcended Kree. Like I'm no longer am I just responsible yeah. for my people. But yeah, no, he's very much like a Green Lantern in that sense. But because of that, there was a relationship with the Kree. Right. Um, they weren't yeah. always the good guys, and you know it's like diplomatic relations in the real world. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes two bad guys are going at it, and you have to help out the one that's less bad. Yeah, you know, or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, so I think they do a good job of that. Oh, just okay. also, I don't know if you've been reading the X books. Sword is now the mutants' space program. No, really? no, I'm. Uh, Sword is now Krakoa's uh, space program. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, I, I need to get back in the Xbox if you're you're hyping it up for the. Last oh, time. dude, I I was telling you earlier, and you can cut this out later. Those presentations yeah. I do at Liz's. Yeah. Um, I did an extra one. I had to explain the current storylines of the X Men. Oh no! At, from oh from when Hickman took over to kind of where we're at now. Okay. So, yeah. I I've been I've been lost for X Men. Yeah. Know, so. But Sword Sword is now the mutant space program. Nice. Yeah, I, I I think that's a that's an interesting idea. I was a little disappointed that um, the X Men weren't going to be introduced in this. Well, I was going to say so. Like, I don't know if it. There's been a lot of speculation on the show. We've seen, and I do think there's some sort of reveal. You know, some some sort of like they're going to pull a rabbit out of the hat and you're like, oh shit, I never saw that coming. But you know, you mm-hmm. see speculation. I mean, I guess we already kind of seen it in a kind of like um, tangible sort of way that the fact that they replace um quicksilver or pietro with the fox version which was evan peters and he gets recasted quote unquote pietro um, remember it's pietro pietro yeah pietro, yeah. pietro. right and Great. i thought that that was brilliant and so i guess like technically they've already crossed over into the x-men in a way no no because feige and them even said it was just a funny bit like yeah, we meant nothing with it. We literally right. meant nothing by it. We just thought it was a funny thing. No, and yeah, we didn't no. know how fans were gonna be like, "Oh, well, this is the X Men in the Marvel universe." Yeah. And they were just like, "Oh shit, that's not what that was." <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you know, Nick, Nick, you said that you know they haven't introduced the X Men, but they did introduce sort of the concept of mutants. They that did. Wanda had powers that weren't. It had always been thought that the powers were somehow activated by Hydra, mm-hmm. but instead they've just been enhanced. Yeah. Yes. So, the, so we've, we've yeah. laid that scene. I, I will yeah. say this kind of this kind of goes to what I was saying at the start, right? Yeah. I was reading some thread, and somebody's all there. Somebody, we're watching this brilliant series, this great look at trauma, and the impact on somebody, and somebody in the and the, you know, in the comments that a bunch of people agreed with was like, "Oh, I don't know what Marvel's done now. They only have two episodes now to introduce Mephisto," <laughs> and I'm like. When were we promised Mephisto? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it was never said. Marvel's like, we're going to debut Mephisto here. No, it's like, you've already written that Mephisto is behind this. Right. How about you wait? Because mm-hmm. there's a way. There's a way you yeah. can still do it. But 
like you're complaining about something that might not happen when you've had this great series already. Yeah, you know, it's like, like come on. Yeah, no, it's like I, if you were. Specifically, mm-hmm. what I, what I, I specifically gonna, want oh. is I want the end credit scene to be Mephisto. Well, I was going to say, you know, this this has already been confirmed. This leads into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse mm-hmm. of Madness. So whatever's going to happen in that end credits is going to lead into that. So, right. like, yeah. if you get Mephisto or whatever, he's probably going to be in Doctor Strange, most likely. You know, so you know why? Why like, if you had like a good steak, why complain? Like, oh, I should have got like that burger when you already had like. Right. Exactly. And yeah. and you know, going back, we were talking about the scrolls. Mm-hmm. You know the the Agatha character, yeah, um, kind of did the same thing, right? Because in the comics, Agatha has always been helpful. She's always been the yeah. mentor, and like, everybody, uh, mm-hmm. everybody who read the comics knew Agnes was Agatha. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But what she was there for shocked us all. So, oh hey, finally it's Agatha. Oh wait, she's trying to do what? Mm-hmm. Right. So, and just Marvel does that right so often. Yeah. The brilliant well, my, reveal. My my only thing is that I'm a little confused about where in the universe, where where certain things are in the universe because Marvel has done a bunch of other things with like the Runaways. They've done uh, right. things with like because the Dark Hole has popped up in a couple of their mm-hmm. other shows. Yeah. If if that book really is the Dark Hole, because they haven't said it is, they just said it's a magical book. Yeah. Mm-hmm more or less everybody just assumes well it's the dark hole you know mephisto you know during that thing he was using the dark hole that's how she ended up doing everything else i'm wondering where inside of the universe they can actually connect like everything else like sorted like uh what was it uh cloak and dagger uh mm-hmm. you know the runaways you know get all these like really cool things that they've already that marvel's already done and stuff like that and then figure out how can we throw these all together yeah with this yeah. we'll we'll have to see for that because i'm not sure if you guys read all the rumors that daredevil is supposed to be in spider-man uh no way home which just the weird. problem the, what the problem with what i'm hearing with all these like casting rumors is that at a certain point it turns into spider-man 3 right yeah it's well well no at I, a certain, yeah you've only got two hours like if you were to say that spider-man 3 is it going to be a, a ten, uh, which are a ten episode series that's mm-hmm. going on you know, Disney Plus? I would feel a lot better about it. Right. About, I do well, think I do think they could do sort of the cameo role, right? Like, yeah. If you read the the comic series, uh, the Spider Verse one, yes, they have that scene where the Spider Men are all gathered down, and one goes, "Doesn't that look like the guy from Sea Biscuit?" <laughs> yeah right yeah and and so it could be that they're just there for some giant gathering they won't have a huge role yeah you know in terms of that yeah i think I, one of one of the things that they marvel's gonna have to start doing is sort of how they do with the comic books right there's gonna be and sort of how they did it with originally with the series the the series were the street level characters yeah it was daredevil and jessica jones and luke cage and punisher Right. And then you had Cloak and Dagger and you had Runaways, the teen books, mm-hmm. right? And they're probably going to have to start doing that in some ways too, right? I don't think Runaways will ever seriously interact with Avengers. Mm-hmm. But if Young Avengers comes up, which... We, always do we, saw, we saw Tommy and Billy. Yeah, yeah. and Kate Bishop's coming and... Right. 
You yeah. have uh, stature, uh, Cassie. Yeah, yeah you also have uh, you also have King. Right. Yeah. Right. You and you could easily King. introduce Patriot. Um, yeah. So you oh. know maybe there's a maybe there's a teen interaction. You know, universe yeah. stories that cross over and things. Well, I don't I don't know if you've ever seen The Runaways or Cloak and Dagger. I've seen uh, Runaways. I haven't seen Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, because the cool thing about it was that because Cloak and Dagger unfortunately got canceled. Right. But before they got canceled, they had already made a deal with the Runaways to cross over into the uh, Runaways. Yeah. So and it was the it was in the final season of the Runaways that they did it. Yeah. And it was by far one of the coolest episodes of yeah. the Runaways. That's a bummer. Yeah. It's literally that Cloak and Dagger, Cloak shows up with Dagger and basically goes, The cloak summoned me here because it said that you needed help, that you guys needed help. <laughs> yep. And, and that's so that's such a cool idea. Mm-hmm. of like oh yeah like why don't we mix these two together like these like the runaways are obviously make sense and unfortunately both shows ended up ending after those seasons and it was like there was so much potential that you could use them yeah and if you have a young avengers thing why not bring in the runaways why not well, yeah because those are things? i like the was it that civil war crossover between young yep, avengers young and, avengers mm-hmm. runaways okay. yeah that, runaways that's... like i liked runaways my biggest issue with the last season was they jammed every runaway storyline <laughs> into one. You know, yeah. they, first season was the first arc, and then every other arc <laughs> yeah. was was everything else. Um, yeah. But I think that's what they're going to have to do. And I think you know the the Disney shows are are what's going to set those up. Yeah, know? and they haven't well, said I, is they haven't said right. Wandavision. This might just be a one time thing, right? There might they, not be no. They, yeah, they no. They, they, for a season two. They, yeah. they said it's they said it's kind of a one off. Some and it should be. I think. Yeah, some of the shows are one offs, and then some are like actual series. So like Moon Knight is going to be a series that's right. like season one, two, three, what have you. And no, then I, really want, I want a Blade series. Give me a Blade series. We'll we'll see with Blade, but I was going to say. Um, We'll also see for, you know, these like other kind of shows that were around before Kevin Feige took over uh, the TV part of the branch of the Marvel Universe, because I think with Spider-Man, if the rumor is true and Daredevil's in there, you know, is it going to be the Daredevil that we saw on Netflix? Is it going to be kind of like a reboot of the character? You know, is this the version of Daredevil that we saw or, you know, are they kind of like, okay, he's there, but you know, it, it's uh, like he's not Daredevil yet or they'll like kind of rewrite what they want yeah. to do. So. I think my assumption is they'll probably do it like the comics. They'll they'll slowly kind of start to change maybe the character a little bit in terms of his actions and things. I don't think it's going to be a full reboot, a full reset on the character. Right. It's going to be more of a, okay, we want Daredevil to play this role in the future. Yeah. So yeah. let's slowly yeah. just I'm, make organic changes to his character soft, soft I'm, really, I'm more i'm more surprised that being in new york like there's not other things like little tiny things because i even figured in uh what was it like inside of uh far from home or yeah. even in spider-man the easiest things they could have done is they literally could have had a newspaper that said the the trial of frank castle right you know and yeah. immediately go oh the trial of Frank Castle is happening right now, and it's in the it's in the papers. Well, right I, I, yeah, I was gonna say for because I, I think they already had the rights for no, maybe they didn't for Fantastic Four, but like that building that they kept saying, oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna sell uh, Stark Tower, and you never yes. found out the buyer. Like, you know, 
at the end of Far From Home, you could have been like, oh, the Baxter building, you know, something yeah, like well, that. Because I think I was, it was, I think it was between either Al's Corp or the Baxter building. Baxter building, that was yeah. The, that yeah. was the two that they were we'll really see. considering on um, who was going to be there. Yeah. And I think also with that too, I think they're going to be, you know, they haven't said much. They got to be real careful of Fantastic Four. Yes. Cause... Just because nobody's, well, Pixar got it right with Incredibles, but nobody else. <laughs> no one, has no one that got it right. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, no one that's actually adapting the Fantastic Four has gotten it right. Right. Like, the, and the, it also has maybe the most recent stink on it. So maybe you want to kind of let it go away for a little while before you. Fantastic. Before you bring it back, fantastic. Honestly, was, a, was not good. I, the the thing that I would love, I would absolutely love, is to have Spider Man interact with the Fantastic Four. Seeing as he yes. is a huge like, I interact with the Fantastic Four often. Like, yeah, when I can't figure stuff out, I go talk to Reed Richards. Yeah, or if I need to talk about some some stuff, sometimes I go to talk to Stu, to Sue or I talk to Johnny. You know, these are just things that I do because he goes to go talk with other heroes because he's yeah. right the, the the spider-man human torch friendship in the comics that's you gotta mm-hmm. find a way to keep that going because that's one I, of the best relationships. yeah because i also him, really him and uh, the daredevil too. Bagman, yeah but i really want the incredible <laughs> Bagman in an episode in a movie because i think yeah. that would just be hilarious i just that want the just scene like... <laughs> i want the scene where spider-man goes to johnny storm for advice about girls it doesn't work out and then <laughs> sue sees him and sue goes Wait, you went to Johnny? <laughs> why did you go to Johnny? Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. It's not a person to ask. Yeah. But, but I really um, do want that. I, I want that moment of just like Spider-Man's like, I don't have a suit. It just got destroyed by the Sinister Six. And then Johnny Storm's like, I got an old suit, but I don't got a mask, man. We don't wear masks here. Yeah. <laughs> and just puts a bag on his head and goes, you're cool, go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really looking forward to the Fantastic Four, though, in the MCU, like a good Fantastic Four, a good Doctor Doom. Give me that. Mm-hmm. But, Absolutely. Um, well, but I think before... that's why people were really disappointed when they were talking about a, a, a spa- uh, aerospace engineer. And then, right, you're like Reed Richards. It wasn't and... Reed Richards or Doctor Doom or it was supposed to be else. Sue, I thought. Well, I, I that matter. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But, but again, um, that's more complaining about things we were never promised not showing it, up. Exactly. exactly. That was all stuff yeah. that we had put in our own head. Like, we're going to see Sue, Sue Storm next episode. Right. Um, so just wrapping up here, we're a little short on time, but before we go, last topics for WandaVision. Are there any, like, uh, theories behind the hacks or, like, how the show is going to end? Because we have the last two episodes before we do the next episode. Anyone so, want to throw, throw out something out? All right. Here's my... And I don't... This is going to... I don't have a theory on the ending. But my assumption is that the vision that's inside the hex. Yes. That's Wanda. That's the part of Wanda's psyche that's trying to heal her through this process. Yes. And however the resolution comes when Wanda, I'm assuming they're going to, you know, try to make Wanda back to normal at the end, especially because this is going to be a one series thing. (laughs) um that that's playing a role and then the parts of wanda that aren't ready to hear it is what's delaying vision from getting back to her um i'd be interested to see where agatha ends up at the end Mm -hmm. is it is this agatha doing tough love to try to 
get her back to normal and she'll go back to helpful Agatha. Is this yeah. Agatha trying to train her as a weapon to use? Is this Agatha uh, trying to harness her powers and discard her? Um, I also want to know how much they're going to explain what chaos magic is because after years of reading comics, I kind of maybe get it. <laughs> but yeah. the MCU does a really good job of simplifying things, so I hope to learn what chaos magic is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll explain they'll explain it better than Bendis. Yes, but I guess um, no, I no, I totally believe that. Like, whatever Vision is, because we saw when he gets out of the hex, like he's basically coming apart. Like he only exists in there, is what my understanding is. So, right. I think there's a yeah, lot of so, credence to that theory that you just presented of because she yeah. has to she has to let him go to end the hex. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that was what I was thinking. I was thinking that for Evan Peters because Evan Peters is going to be in this concept. Yeah. I figured that what she was going to do is actually put her memories of Pietro into Evan Peters. And he was going to basically become not, a, not necessarily Pietro, but like a pseudo Pietro. He's going to still have a super speed. He's still going to have everything like that. But it was going to be this thing of when she ends the hex, she can then say goodbye to both Vision and also to Pietro, the two biggest tragedies in her life. Because for Pietro, he died. She didn't get to say goodbye. She was in the middle, you know, fighting off Ultron. For Vision, she watched him die, apologized for it, but then she had to then watch him die again. And I think that was the harder part. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do think it's going to be like this moment of catharsis where she's forced, like you said, Rob, to accept what happened, come to terms with it, and say goodbye to those two characters. And that's and, why, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. And then also you were going to have this Vision who was going to combine with White Vision and he didn't remember who Wanda was. Yeah, yeah. Of just like, she has to then go, my vision's gone and this guy is here. Yeah, he I, guess, I guess- He doesn't care for me. I guess like Gamora, the second timeline Gamora, whatever that is mm -hmm. in Guardians 3. Yeah, I could definitely see that. My, my only thing was, um, I thought like whatever comes into play with like, if they use chaos magic, I guess my theory is like- uh, you know, she's going to upset something or find something amiss in the multiverse because going back to what the ancient one said in Endgame was, you know, if you keep messing up with the messing with the timelines, you're going to cause like a problem. Yeah. And you never really saw resolution to that. And they kept messing up with the timelines. Yeah. When they went back in time. I think just going back to really quick that that scene with Wanda and Vision and the Avengers compound. Yes. When Vision's explaining you know, grief means you had love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And under Wanda coming to understand that is going to be the key part in her development and the resolution of her in this storyline. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do with, with White Vision or... Yeah. You know. well, in the comics, what White Vision, is that just like... I forgot what causes that white, yeah white vision is an attempt to bring vision back to life, That's life. but he doesn't have the brain patterns therefore the emotions because remember in the comic his brain waves are not based on jarvis it's based on a wonder man yes yeah and um it's basically he's an android you know he's he's an emotionalist robot which frustrates wanda to no end because it's the body, the physical being, you know, think of how, you know, how frustrating it is if 
and again, not their fault, but when you have a relative with dementia who can't remember, right? right? How sad and heartbreaking and frustrating that is for you. And that's kind of, that was what Wanda's deal was in the comics. Here's this person I've loved and he not only has no memories of me, which is one thing, but he has no feelings towards me. Yeah. Yeah. That's like one of the harder parts. I think they also do it in uh, for Red Tornado in the DC comics too. They have right. Yeah. About that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, her character is a great expo- exploration of grief. So yeah. I really think whatever's, you know, besides our speculation, I, I really have a good feeling the last two episodes are really going to explore those themes well and just really like have like a really just profound statement. And yeah, I'm really just glad to see this uh, strong storyline wrap up. I'm so. just really, I'm just really interested to kind of see what happens with the twins. With yeah, the we'll twins see. Really yeah, we'll, we'll see. Cause they want young Avengers. I think that Kevin Feige has said that. Yeah. So and, yeah. <clears throat> And I'll be honest, as much comics I've read, and I've read almost everything Young Avengers, it unless I go back and look, I can't remember how they became real in the Marvel Universe compared to them the first time. It was House of M. She then turned, she actually changed reality. Back, okay. And then when she changed reality, she then made herself physically pregnant inside of our reality. Gotcha. She then gave birth to Tommy and Billy. Gotcha, gotcha. There you go. So... Look, it could also go off the rails, and we could see Master Pandemonium. <laughs> yeah, that's that's your uh, that's your uh, that's your well, theory. <laughs> no, it was my theory. Uh, it's no longer anymore because that would be absolutely ridiculous. Don't get me wrong; if it happens, I will laugh for an hour. But well, I also yeah. I, I also think that it would have been interesting too is if Vision was able to keep the boys real. If she sacrifices Vision, you can keep the boys. But if you want to bring Vision back, you have to let the boys go. Yeah. Oof. And That's I think a, that would be like another Wanda's hard... Choice. Wanda's huh? choice. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, Wanda's, it's a, a Wanda's choice of who do you have? Mm. Do you have the person that you love or do you, do you want your children? Yeah. And that would be kind of fucked up. But also that would be an interesting thing of her having to come to terms with losing Vision. And then Vision once again telling her to let him go. Yeah. And everything else and i think that would be an interesting and emotional scene between all all of them because the, the child actors are amazing right? yeah they're good yeah. everybody's good in this yeah yeah so I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing how exactly they they resolve the scene the series yeah will. no definitely yeah we'll we'll have to wait and see but yeah i have a good feeling so and uh, you know i trust i trust everyone involved in the show so we'll see but and i'll say just one last comment sorry sure. i just had to i think this shows what Marvel's best at. And the one thing they will have to continue, the thing they always have to guard against as they add more series is that the series themselves have a purpose as a series. Yeah. Um, and they're not just the link to the next story. You can put the link in there, mm-hmm. but the fact that, and again, going back to this being about Wanda's grief, when I was concerned that it was going to be, you know, Agatha who created everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it again, right? They have a, a standalone series that you can watch from the start to the end and get into the story, see character development, see emotional development, and it comes to a conclusion. And then if you want to watch the next one, cool. 
Um, but you can watch this alone and it stands on its own. Yeah. That's what I love about it. Yeah. No, I agree. But yeah, no, that's, that's a good way to wrap, wrap up, uh, wrap up this episode. So I'm in complete agreement. And then until we we meet, excuse me, uh, have another, uh, recording, which we'll have seen the finale in two weeks. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's keep that in mind, but, um, really quick, uh, Nick, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me at the Nick Below. Uh, also, uh, I am doing a lot of guest spots on Twitch with a buddy of ours who uh, is doing uh, Delta Monkey Gaming. Okay. Uh, go check that out if you guys like Twitch, playing COD, you know, goofing around, stuff like that. It's a pretty good time. Gotcha. And then, oh, um, oh. go ahead. No, oh, sorry. no. And then, uh, Rob, anywhere that um, you would like to, anything? Yeah, I, I, I still have a MySpace. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking for people for my top eight. Um, so, yeah, go ahead, hit me up on MySpace. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, well, uh, I'll put you in my top five for sure. Oh, ooh, awesome. Five. I'm <laughs> happy with eight. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, G9892. You could follow the Waffle Press at the Waffle Press on Twitter and at the waffle press podcast on instagram um we're on youtube itunes soundcloud patreon spotify and please like share subscribe there we you know find something you like or maybe i don't know you can find uh something you don't like still subscribe um thanks for watching thanks for listening we've been professionally unprofessional